This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. Get involved with the debate by tweeting at Blue Moon Podcast and check out exclusive interviews on bluemoonpodcast.com. It's your club and this is your show. It might have been hard work at Bramall Lane, but after a battling performance, Manchester City are back in the saddle. They may be off the pace set by Liverpool. Seriously, what deal with the devil have they made to only drop two points by this stage of the season? But things aren't as bad as they might seem. Sure, we should be reviewing two wins this week, but that's kind of the story of the season. So welcome to this week's Blue Moon Podcast, where we'll look at why it feels like City have been running through treacle at times. Despite that, it's ten wins from the last twelve games. Yet for some reason, it feels like it's been about half that number. Also on today's show, we'll hear from a couple of former City goal keepers who have had to take penalties in their time after Guardiola suggested that Edison might be the answer to the recent struggles converting from the spot. With Howard Hawking also on the show plus cup games against Fulham and Manchester United to preview, let's get going. I'm your host David Mooney, with me in the studio is Mr Stat City himself, Adam Carter. Hello. And making his long-awaited return to the public eye to further his feud with Richard Ashcroft it's Macca. Hello. How are you doing? I'm alright, thank you. How are you? Uh, not too bad, thank you. So uh, yeah, Richard Ashcroft what's, uh, how's, how's that? have you built any bridges with him yet? Or? Uh, I'm afraid my league team instead of casting <laughs> right well uh, instead of uh, pressing you on that then let's talk city um adam the uh, the defense has been what has been come under a lot of criticism for for well for the majority of the season let's be honest um it's now only two clean sheets in the last 10 games both of them weirdly against sheffield united kind of expanding it out it becomes three in 21 why is it so hard for city to keep the ball out of the net it's mad i think being a bit of a stats geek i kind of as soon as a goal goes in i look and see how many games that's been and when we've got to 21 it's kind of alarming isn't it really i think the obvious answer is laporte missing i think when you've not got him in that back t- back line him or company i think you're going to struggle um Otamendi and stones need someone else alongside them that isn't each other <laughs> um so I, I just think that the pressure we've invited by not replacing company or having another uh, centre-back to replace an injured Laporte um, we're almost well we have been playing with a makeshift back four Fernandino's done an amazing job but there's only so many times we can ask him to go to the well for us in a position that isn't his um, we've chopped and changed with, with wing backs uh, left back right back uh, three at the back four at the back I think Pep's doing the best he can but has he has he invited this pressure on himself by not uh, strengthening or certainly replacing in the summer. Maka, looking at that, how, I mean, it's kind of the story of the season, I said at, at the start of the show. How were they able to throw a last-minute win away against Palace? Um, well, if we're going to talk about how it, how it unfolded, um, I mean, on the halfway line, I mean, Stones is coming for some stick, but on the halfway line, De Bruyne has lost possession, could have clipped the lad's heels. The next thing, Rodri, and this is the most baffling one because it's what he does. Rodri had a chance to bring the lad down, didn't. Next thing, Cancelo's out of position. He's been, he's been played inside, and then Stones comes across and doesn't really do anything, really. So I don't know. It, it was a funny one, and we've what we have been really good at over the years is well under under Pep has been seeing games out, and I, I don't know. It was a funny one after we scored on on. I'd, I just kind of had a funny feeling it wasn't it wasn't over. It was almost as if as well when when Edison was time wasting. It was almost as if like you're asking for this. Yeah, yeah, no, no, totally, totally. And like I say, there have, there have been games where you just think we're fine here, we'll be all right, we'll keep the ball, we'll do that. But it just felt like when it just didn't feel like that on Saturday. Well, John Stones, you said John Stones has come in for some flack. Um, 
it, it feels like a really crucial period for him now. Well, I've been saying this might be the third season on the trot that at the start of it, I said, well, this is this is kind of this is crucial for him. He's got to do something. He's got to do something. And I mean, I really, really, really have wanted him to do well. I mean, he's got everything. He seems like lads. He's, he's got the physique. He's got the pace. He's certainly good on the ball. But let's, he, he's, he seems to be regressing. And he's regressing with the things that he's good, we used to be good at. Because I remember Ferdinand. Ferdinand was talking about him when he was at Everton. He was making all these mistakes. And Ferdinand said, look, you can't teach what he's already got. But you can teach what he hasn't got in terms of his, in terms of his defensive play. Now, over time, he, he doesn't seem to be getting that much better defensively, if at all, and seems to be making just as many, if not more, mistakes on the ball. So it is, it's worrying, and <laughs> Adam touched upon it, you just cannot ever, I don't care what game it is, play him and Otamendi alongside <laughs> each other, because it just won't work. And to be saying that about Stones, with the amount of money we spent from him, I know that's not the be-all and end-all, but in terms of what we wanted from him, what we were expecting we were buying, at his stage of his career with us now, saying you've got to have someone alongside him, like talking him through the game, is not really what it's not ideal. It's not really what we what we expected, to be honest. Adam, do you see a long term future for him at City, or do you see City at, at maybe this summer going mm, one out, one in? It's a strange one because Pep has defended him to the hill every time, and you'd expect that from Pep. He's not going to out someone in public. Uh, there was the famous "he's got balls" comment uh, when he first came under scrutiny at City. Going back, we keep touching on he needs someone else. He needs someone else next to him, and you can't. Someone can't have a long-term future at the club if they need someone holding the hand through the game. Um, I think Pep's backed him. I think is he fourth season now, third or fourth? Fourth season. Fourth yeah. season. Fourth, I was saying, cause yeah, cause it's three seasons. Where I said yeah, you've got to do something. There. I, I, I think his saving grace is the fact that he's English. And I think there's going to, due to the foreign quota, he might, might be the last defender. Um, to he might be the last defender out of the two of Ottomendi and him uh, to go. So I think it's make or break this season for him. I think the uh, return of Laporte might give him a run of games in a more solid defence. I think he might benefit from that, and he needs to benefit from that because he could be out the door at the end of the season, definitely. Yeah, I think we think we're saying Ottomendi. Almost definitely going. Well, Ottomani wanted to leave in the summer, yeah. and the, the only reason yeah. he, he didn't was because of the yeah. situation with so, company and, and how that kind so of unfolded. If we're looking at that, he's out the door. We'll need at least one. Hopefully, Garcia is going to going to be well in the mix. Um, so yeah, he, he he might just survive, but I'll obviously contract because that's the thing as well. We'll have to be looking at that. Is he going to get another contract? The way it is at the moment, I wouldn't I wouldn't, I wouldn't bank on it. Yeah. So, no, it's disappointing. Again, going back to what I originally said, he's it's, it's just one of those lads, and you do get lads like this who get away with a little bit more with the fans, and I think he's one of those that the fans really, really do want to do well, but it comes a point where you just go, look, it's not happening. It's not happening. <laughs> no, yeah. I know, I know. We touched on Emmerich Laporte. He returned against Sheffield United. Um, it was kind of a case of, here's what you've been missing, wasn't it? Yeah, I was expecting him to come back in one of the upcoming Cup games, so when to see that... Name on the team sheet was an absolute buzz, and he just slotted straight back in. Did your heart do a little flutter uh, when the exactly, team's yeah. <laughs> it, it, It's almost, I know this is like probably exaggerating. I remember years ago 
when Cantona returned from his suspension. There was a big buzz about him coming back into their team. I hate to talk about them, but there you go. Him coming back into our has given us a lift already. It was a battling performance away at Sheffield United. We've kept a clean sheet. He's come through unscathed despite being hacked down. I'm sure we'll talk about it in a bit. Um, that that lift that it's given us now, and I'm confident now we're gonna we're, we're definitely gonna see a better defence than we have in the first half of the season. And he is that good that he can make such an impression and such an impact. Uh, just just being in this just being in the team. Yeah, I mean, Maka, he it looked so much calmer against Sheffield United just for the fact that he was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, he's a funny one in terms of how he was treated by the press. He didn't get any stick in the press, what I mean, last season. But it was suddenly, as soon as he was out of the side, it was the, the press suddenly realised, hang on a minute, this, this lad was good. In fact, not just good, he was integral to, to what they were doing. He was, he was crucial. Um, I mean, as good as he's on the ball, I mean, my abiding memory from the other night was that one under the crossbar from the corner where he's got two absolute oiks like charging at him. Good, and he, and he, good use of the word oik. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, he, and he just like fearless, edited it. Edited it over, edited it about, and edited then got, it got up and then started on a fight. Yeah, so it's like he's, he's great. He's great. Yeah, no, he's, he's um, and then like I say, just on the, you could see us going on a bit more of a run now, for the first time of the season. Whereas like last season when we lost at Newcastle, it was I still thought we got it in us to to go on a bit of a run. This season I've never felt like that. But if he's in the side, you do feel that yeah, I'm not saying I'm going to do it, but it, it's certainly more possible. Just while we're talking defending, Adam, I want to touch on Benjamin, uh, Benjamin Mendy. He uh, he split the fans on Saturday with uh, with this performance. Uh, it was a very very big fifty fifty split. Half of the half of the stadium seemed to think he was crap. The other half seemed to thought he played quite well. I thought he played. I'm the quite well brigade. Marco, uh, where, where are we going on this? Yeah, yeah, I think you did. Let's see, yeah. I thought quite well as well. Yeah. So one of us has got to be wrong, <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm. I wrote him off completely after the Wolves game. I'd. My patience has been wearing thin with the social media stuff and the you've got to remember he's been injured and he didn't choose those injuries a lot of people have throw thrown the towel in on it on him when he got uh, the second injury um the wolves performance he was ushering it out but it was going to be their corner anyway so i don't understand why he did that i'll never understand that <laughs> um he's, he's come back and he's had a couple of sound or certainly better than the wolves performances since then but i think palace was the turning point in around about the 85th minute there was about three tackles he'd won on the far uh, touch line and they just and, they, and then he's whipped one in for, for Aguero, Aguero. Yeah. I just think that's he's shown there what he showed in the Huddersfield game a couple of seasons ago where he, he assisted almost every goal in the 6-1 six, six uh, victory so I'm in the well played but I don't think he's turned a corner as such that he should be our first choice left back or we shouldn't be looking to replace him in the future he's got a lot to do but we've got to remember he's been out injured and he probably needs half a season of those type of Palace performances before we're going to see what we saw at Monaco Yeah, I mean Maka, he, um, like I say he's coming for a lot of flack it's, most of it's not really his fault though is it? Uh, I'm not so sure about that I think <laughs> some, some of the performances he's just switched off or he has made some daft errors but in terms of his, but looking at it on the whole, the majority of the time, I think the the issue he's had is with his injuries. Because if you watch him recently when he's come back, if you watch him for Monaco, he was marauding up and down. And he did that for us when he first came in and he was fully fit. Up until Saturday, he, he wasn't going in the final third, really. He, he, he wasn't going there because I don't think he, he had, didn't have enough confidence that he could get back. And he's certainly got enough, he's, well, he, as you see, he's got, he's got the delivery, he's got that left peg, but I think it is just a confidence and fitness thing in terms of in terms of doing that. 
Uh, I mean, I came away from that Monaco game when we played Monaco and saying like we've got to sign those two players, and it was, and it was Mendy and it, and it was Bernardo Silva, and Mendy was was better than than Bernardo Silva, and he and he was and he was all awesome. so he, he he's got it. He's definitely got that ability. Now it's just if he can, in terms of confidence and the fitness, whether he can just it recapture it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, quick word on Edison before we move on from the defense. Um, he's. He's had a couple of moments recently where you kind of feel mm, he's rushed off his line and, and not really done what he's supposed to do. Yeah, I think he's in. I think he'll, he's in credit and he's fully in credit. But and he had a good game the other night. But but yeah, he's, he's not without without blame recently. He's looked a bit uh, not shaky. That's the wrong word. Well, so he's overconfident. Yeah, I was going to say he's, he's done fine with the shots. He's not yeah, had, yeah. not had a problem with when yeah. he's facing shots. It's just yeah. that kind of that eagerness to come out. Yeah. No, definitely. I think I think he just sometimes gets bored, doesn't he? That's <laughs> the bottom line. <laughs> right. Well, uh, it's it's time to delve into our uh, delightful box of VAR talk. Uh, here's uh, here's this week's jingle again by uh, by Alan Bates. So thank you very much for that one, Alan. Uh, Adam. VAR. Um, I think that the the first thing I want to ask about it it's focused around Sheffield United. Should it have intervened on a couple of challenges? Yeah, I think it was tasty. I think I tweeted halfway through the game that someone was going to walk there. I think there were some challenges there that it needed to look look at and say there was a bit of a reckless one there. The one on Laporte. I think. And now I don't know whether we're looking at it with blue tinted glasses. And any time anyone went near Laporte the other night, we were thinking don't Back get off. injured again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So is there an element of that? I think. The Sheffield United players knew what they were doing with Laporte. They they knew he'd returned. He was the the Messiah, and they were going to try and target him and see if he was up to the challenge. Um, I'd like to. It's weird. You, one game you'll see VAR intervene with a challenge that you'd expect to happen in another game, and it just doesn't. And I think that's the consistency that's annoying us. And I I fully expected it to uh, feature in one or two of those challenges the other night, and it just didn't. The one on Laporte, Marco, red card. Yeah, yeah, it is, and 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 it doesn't. I, I, it really frustrates me because if that is in the last ten minutes, even if it's at Bramall Lane, I, I think he's just going. It, but because it's at the, it's early on in the game, and he's done, and it, and it was just, I just don't get it. In this day and age, now the way things are, that's just a red card. It's not even, you don't even think about it. That but is red. The ball, the ball was there to be won, but it was a straight leg from yeah, behind. But exactly, it's just, just gone straight through him. It's one of those. It's one of those. Say fifteen years ago, or twenty years ago. You do it, and then he'd turn around to the ref, sorry. Like, read it. Peter Reed would just turn around and go, sorry, ref. First <laughs> tackle, sorry. Too quick for me. Or whatever, and then you get away with it. But that doesn't happen nowadays. And I tell you what, if, if we'd have done the same on, on one of theirs in the first, what, 12 minutes or whatever it was, we'd have got sent, he'd have got sent off. Fair indeed, have done that. Gone. Do you find it frustrating in that case that, that some teams get a little bit more leeway because that's their style? Um, Potentially. Potentially. I mean, you even... I don't know if you watched it. Uh, on BT Sport the other night, but even the commentary was kind of like that. It was kind of like, well, okay, well one wishing him to do well, which I, don't, I have no problem with that because I mean it's the underdog and everything, and, and they are quite they're doing really really well. But it was as if like, well, they've got to do that. They've got to do that to compete. They've got to do well, yeah, but he nearly broke his ankle. You can't you can't do that. So yeah, yeah, to to a degree, you're right. I agree, yeah. Adam. It's it, it's you, you hear it at the uh, some of the traditional kind of you think blood and thunder teams that that you get. Stoke used to get it all the time. <laughs> you, you you go there expecting a battle, so why should the referee get his cards out? And it feels like sometimes you, you have to go. Well, hang on, like somebody's <laughs> going to get hurt. Here. Yeah, the rules are the rules for a reason, aren't they? I think, like Mac alluded to, there there is a the the referee does 
ref a team based on their reputation rather than the, what he sees in front of him. Like I go back, VAR should eliminate that. Then shouldn't it? It's literally takes all the emotion out of it. It's someone sat in a in a van, a bit like me at the Southampton game. <laughs> uh, You'll have to sign up to Patreon to find all that stuff <laughs> out. So uh, yeah, good plug. Uh, so I just think that that's where VAR should be working, and it takes that emotion out. And it doesn't care what minute it is, what ground it is, what the like, how they like to play. Um, I can understand why the ref is playing to the game. And I think that when VAR was coming in, that's what I was hopeful for, that it would take out that uh, element of emotion and, and it can be a black and white decision. We're not getting that. Can Should VAR be able to rule on uh, a goalkeeper coming off his line for a penalty, Michael? Yeah, and I don't quite understand why it doesn't. Whether or not this is because they're working on the basis that there'd be so many that would have to be retaken. Well, th- this is I know funny. they would never admit that. Yeah, well, this is but... funny because I always thought the line was because the Women's World Cup was a bit of a farce with this, where pretty much every penalty was yeah. retaken because the keeper came off the line. It was almost as to say, well, they were going, well, the margins are too fine. And then you go, well, what are you ruling on offsides yeah. on? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. No, no, I totally agree. I mean, if we are going to do this, if we are going to bring to VAR, then there's an issue. And obviously we know where we go yourself. You know why they're doing that? Because you need that, you need that spring. So at the moment you have to start on your line. Why what why don't we change it the law till you can start behind the line, but you just can't go for it, go in front of it. Yeah. Yeah. So you can get your extra spring, but you're not getting the extra you're not narrowing the angles as much. Yeah. So that's my serious bit for the night. <laughs> <laughs> Were you frustrated though, Adam, that with the quality of the penalty? Because like let's be honest, the goalkeeper didn't need to come off his line to save that one. Yeah, um, I'd have got that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even this is dead negative now. I don't even celebrate when City get a penalty now because it'll either be overturned it. or they'll miss yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> well there's that as well. Uh taking the VAR to one side of whether it's going to be overruled or not. I just don't have confidence, certainly not in Gabby in his current form. I think he's missed six in the last ten. Sergio, who's the best striker on the planet, I still don't have ultimate <laughs> faith in when he's stepping up for a penalty. I'd much rather have a blood and thunder Kevin De Bruyne, even and like Pep alluded to, an Edison just stepping up and smashing it. Well, we'll, uh, we'll have more on that a, a bit later <laughs> on. We'll come back to that. Um, Creativity-wise, though, um, I'm going to ask a question now that I really, really, really don't want to ask. Um, is David Silver's lack of mobility starting to become a problem? Is it the elephant in the room that we need to address? Um, I've been dreading this day <laughs> ever since he came. He's been an absolute superstar for us and he will be forever. I think he slowed things down a lot in the Crystal Palace game over the weekend. I think uh, he. this is bizarre to say that he actually got in the way of a few... Or certainly, getting, I think the players around him are still looking to involve him in the play because he can—he is a magician. But I think he actually slowed it down when we were actually getting gaining a bit of momentum in that first half. I'd never, uh, I, as as long as he's fit enough to play, he's in the team. I think Pep absolutely loves him and he's going to be the first name in, on the team sheet. I'd rather see David come on in games when we're one nil up and just to keep hold of the ball and shore it up. Uh, but I think Pep sees it the other way, and he'd rather start a game with him and play the first sixty. I'd rather him play the last thirty. I think he's—I don't think he can run as much as he obviously as he he needs to or he used to. So I think he's certainly twilight now, and it's sad to see. Is there a way, Maka, to get him in this team and make him not have to do all the pressing that a Guardiola team does? Probably not. No, but then again, on the other side of it, if we're looking at of how he's how he's played, I mean, there was the Burnley game away. He ran before, that game. Before, I know, but then. Then we play. Then he, but then he started him against United and kept him on the pitch for ninety minutes. So it's like he can still do it because he just proved that he can do it against a very, very tough side to play against away from home. 
and then he's playing for 90 minutes against United. So it's like he can do. You just need to use him a little bit sparingly. And like, like I, don't, I mean, the obvious one coming off the bench is just to see games out because he's he is the master at that, just keeping hold of the ball. Um, but in terms of playing anybody in a Guardiola side and trying to say, right, you do a different, I don't think that don't think not that'd work. No, yeah. I don't think that'd work for anybody. Quick word on the creativity on uh, De Bruyne's assist for Aguero. Um, I honestly, honestly thought that goal was going to VAR and that it was going to be offside. And then when you watch the replay, he's got four men between him and the goal when the ball's played. That was just insane. Yeah, I think these passes are becoming ten a penny for De Bruyne now. I honestly thought it was going VAR. I, said that I thought there's no way he's got that round, like you say, four of them. And Sergio not to have been in that position to start with. Because yeah. when, when I saw the replay, I didn't pick up that Aguero's run onto that pass so they've both seen it at the same time I just think we're getting so used to it now but we shouldn't take it for granted this is special it's not normal is no, it no <laughs> no it's, it's special these assists he's got 15 in three consecutive seasons he's on par to, on course to beat um, Henri's record he needs six more in the Premier League and you know it's very similar to the one against Aston Villa where Gabby Jesus at the back post that he he, he sees him a couple of, for Stoke, against Stoke a couple that of Stoke one was ridiculous yeah. but, but the, the Stoke one and the Villa one were very similar in terms of the, where they sit and they look a little bit more spectacular than the one against Sheffield uh, Chef United but I think the Sheffield United one was actually better because the closer you get to the byline that, you, that you're passes it. yeah I know exactly and to, to play a ball like that in between those two players is just unreal I'm not just playing him to weight it so much that it can go through those players, those defenders, but then also just tempt the keeper enough, but not, and then, and then, like I say, just completely take him out of it. No, it's like I say, it's 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 easy to take it for granted. Anybody, he's uh, he's, he's some player. On some the flip player. side, Mark, Raheem Sterling's having a tough time. <laughs> he is, he is. Um, he's probably having a, having a tougher time than people have actually picked up on. He's 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 not been great at all. Going back to the Sheffield United game, though, the one promising things like he, he moved central the last 20 minutes maybe even longer maybe half an hour and he actually looked a lot better he doesn't and shirk responsibility though even when he doesn't hide no fair play to him no 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 fair play to him that's one thing he never does he doesn't hide um, but then he started picking it up turning and then motoring and going I think one thing the things that he's been poor at recently I don't know if it's a confidence thing or what is he's been getting it and then it's kind of he just slows down, and then someone will nick it off him, and then also he just he'll just hold on to it a bit too long. It's it's I, I don't know. And and the other side of it is he had, he's played a hell of a lot of football yeah, was... because Sane we've been out, been out. We've not been able to rest rest the players as much as we like those, those players. So yeah, I think it's a combination of things. But yeah, he's, he has been having a bit of a tough time. I was I was going to say with Raheem, you know, he's, he's scored twenty goals. Only Sergio scored one more yet. Sergio's getting all applauded, rightly so. You got to remember, uh, Sterling's on a twenty-goal season. He's played a lot of football. Weird, weird one that I can't put my uh, finger on is that our two highest-scoring games this season: Watford eight-nil and Aston Villa six-one. Sterling didn't play, <laughs> and that is weird. So I saw uh, when uh, Sterling came back into a game recently. I saw someone on Twitter saying, "Oh, it's going to be a low-scoring game then because Sterling's on the pitch," and it's utterly bizarre because on it on form, he's our best direct attacking player yet. We score more goals with him out of the side than in it, um, but I think he's just played a lot of football. And I think once I think he should have been rested m- more in the early part of the season. Uh, the absence of Sane has obviously hindered that plan. Um, Rest-wise, though, he could he could give Mares a bit more time. We've been crying out for it. Mares has been my player of the season this year. I called it after the Everton game. 
I think he had a turning point in the last game of the last season at Brighton. I think that's when he arrived for mm. us. I think the away game at uh, Everton, he was unplayable. And then he's been in and out of the team ever since. And I think when he's been in the team, he's not let us down. Uh, City fans love a scapegoat. So when he doesn't do something <laughs> right in the first minute, that's him written off for that game. Uh, but I, again, another one who wants to play and looks to... Yeah, he's formed a great partnership with De, De Bruyne and Walker on that on that right-hand side. And I think he's our player of the season so far. Now, Gabriel Jesus' penalty miss on Tuesday evening didn't prove to be costly for City in the end, but as we've discussed already, there's starting to be some doubt over who can take a decent kick when Ilkay Gundogan is not on the pitch. Manager Pep Guardiola has had some interesting thoughts on this. I've been having a look at what the boss's ideas are. remember the days when City would get a penalty and you pretty much knew it would be a goal. Mario Balotelli would step up and stroke the ball home. Yaya Torre would do the same. It was even the case going as far back as Elano. But now, despite being blessed with a whole host of attacking talent, City players seem to fluff their lines from 12 yards. Under Guardiola in both gameplay and in penalty shootouts, Gabriel Jesus, Raheem Sterling, Sergio Aguero, Riyad Mahrez, Leroy Sane and Kevin De Bruyne have all missed from the spot. After Tuesday's game, Guardiola admitted he's a bit concerned. Always I give the confidence to the players to take it, but I have to reflect it. Maybe I have to take the decision which the guy was going to take. Not for Gabriel today, but Sergio missed two, so, and Raheem missed one and half in uh, against Wolves, so we are not safe. Sterling took two at Wolves after VAR stepped in to help, but he missed them both, only scoring the rebound to the second. On the opening day, Aguero's blushes were spared after a retake at West Ham after he missed his first effort. And back in Guardiola's first season, he also missed two in the same game at Stour Bucharest, while he and Kevin De Bruyne both failed from the spot in the home draw with Everton that season. The manager, though, might have a solution going forward. Ederson is the best. Eddie, believe me, is the, is, is the best taker we have in the penalties. Eddie has not blood in his veins, so <laughs> he's so calm, so... He could do it. The fans will wait with anticipation to see if Edison actually runs the length of the field next time the referee points to the spot in City's favour. He wouldn't, though, be the first City keeper to take a penalty. Joe Hart was something of a hot shot from 12 yards, often stepping up to the plate in pre-season. After converting at LA Galaxy in 2011, he did the same in a friendly against Roma in 2015. Here's what he told City TV. I told the manager last year when we lost two penalty shootouts and some of them were rubbish, so... I made sure that he knew that I put myself forward and he, and he backed me, which is nice of him and you know I like to repay the faith. After a short run-up, he found the top right corner of the goal, but he insisted he didn't just smack it and hope for the best. Nah, I placed it. I placed it in the top corner. I'm fed up of all these people thinking they're clever and they can just roll it down the middle and that's how you take a penalty. Hart never got the chance to take one in competition, but his ex-teammate and former City keeper Nicky Weaver did. It was for Sheffield Wednesday and came in a penalty shootout that just kept going and going. He explains what happened. It was against Chesterfield in the uh, Johnson's paint, so it wasn't sort of like, it's not like the highlight of your career sort of thing, playing in the Johnson's paint. There was a decent crowd there, there'd been a bit of a local derby. Got to the penalties, just kept taking them and, you know, we missing, they missing. I remember saving three, two of them in sudden death, so if they'd have scored, we'd have gone out. And it never, ever dawned on me that it was going to come down to me. Weaver needed some reminding that it was going to go down to the goalkeepers. Obviously, I'm not with the lads in the middle. Weren't counting the penalties. I said, going for a penalty, they've a score on this. I walked to the side. 
walk back in, walk to the side. That's all you do. Don't really look at lads or anything. So I've saved the penalty, now walk to the side. And the lads was like, phew, what? I look round and all the lads on the halfway line are sort of like pointing back in. I'm like, oh, I don't believe it. I've got to take one of you. If Joe Hart placed his kick into the net, albeit with power, Weaver did nothing of the sort. I never even thought about taking one. I thought, right, just put it in the corner, just side foot in the... And then I thought, no, just take a goal kick, but keep your head down and it should stay low. I thought, I've got to just belt it. And I've took... <laughs> I mean, the run-up was massive. And I put my head down and I've just pinned it straight into the roof of the net down the middle. The video of that penalty is on YouTube and it's well worth a look when you've got a spare moment. Weaver's kick almost took the back of the net off. He says it was, weirdly, a dream come true for him. I'd stood on that cop as a kid for years and to score like a penalty there, to save three penalties in front of it and to score was amazing. It was only a Johnson's paint game, but you know, I never thought I'd score in front of the cop that I used to stand on for years. When everyone had mentioned it, like, I do smile because I'll probably never take a penalty again, so... You know, one and one and zero, so I'm happy with that. There's not much precedent at City for goalkeepers taking penalties, but if Edison is going to be on spot kicks from now on, then fans will be hoping that he breaks the running theme of failing to convert. Otherwise, it's going to be a mad rush for him to get back to his own box before the opposition get the ball downfield. But with nobody else looking confident from 12 yards, why not let the goalkeeper have a go at doing what so many others have failed to do? Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Hi, it's Nicky Weaver, and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. Please support the show by becoming a backer. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. So then, Adam, do you fancy Edison uh, up for a, for a penalty? Yeah, um, it's the age-old concern, how does he get back if he misses it? But I think, you, sh- uh, you know, the strongest kicker of a ball should take a penalty. No nonsense, just try and take the opposing keeper's head off with it. I'm not a fan of dinked penalties, uh, soft, tappy penalties. You've got a free strike at goal. You need to. You can't afford to pass that opportunity up. Just belt just it. Belt it. That's yeah. where I'm at. Edison for you, Michael? Yeah, they'd be great. That would be good. Um, that's it. Sam Lee's interviewed De Bruyne, Rennie, about, about taking pens. And so he said he's, he's definitely... It's not that he doesn't want them, but... He's missed one. He's missed one for he's taken one missed one for City. Yeah, yeah, true. But uh, no, I am I'm the same as Adam from the Julian Dix um, <laughs> school for penalty taking. Yeah, just uh, put your foot through it, smash it. Because nine times out of ten they won't save it. Here's one for you, Adam. Do you know that uh, the first ever goalkeeper to to score in in English league football played for City and did it for City. Go on. That's one for your database. Yeah, That's uh, <laughs> it was. Uh, it, it was. It was Charlie Williams uh, scored for City against Sunderland in a three-one defeat at Roker Park uh, on the eighteenth of April, nineteen hundred. But uh, I can't. I don't know if it was a penalty or not. That's that's the only thing. He might have just hoofed it down the uh, down the other end and scored. But so uh, it's been. A, I've, I've never. I've never seen a goalkeeper score, and I'm desperate to. No, I've not. Was there a, a Schiller there for Paraguay? Was it? He yeah, scored, he scored a hat trick. Yeah, free kicks and penalties. Yep. I'm, I'm all for that. Get, get more <laughs> of that. Inject it. Yeah. Uh, well, I've brought a question forward from uh, from Master Panel on this. Um, uh, David Lamb says on Twitter, "Have we been spoiled by having such good penalty takers in Yaya Toure and Balotelli, or are our current penalty takers just rubbish at it?" Gundogan aside, who took the best penalty during your City watching life? I've got three names. I've got Alano, Balotelli, and Yaya. I think I'd probably go for Balotelli. He was. I don't. I don't think he was ever going to miss. He never did, did he? No. Well, that was it. But he yeah, didn't look like doing it. I know it was funny that. Well, that kind of crept up, didn't it? Because he was. Because he was. Did he always have the pens after that? 
I think he did, but I think Balotelli was on them first. Right. So I think Balotelli had them while Torre was there, and so Torre never just just never took them. And then Balotelli left. It was like, oh, yeah, I can take him. Let's let's give him to it. And then no. he just kept stroking him in. Yeah, but he takes him very much like Harry Kane, didn't he, as well, where it was like with power, but also right in the corner. But Alano also did the Gundogan trick where he, he kind of curls it and he goes, it's the inside of the, the side of the net, and you're just, you're just not saving those. So I was thinking before, though, actually, I, I, in kind of when I started watching City up until the modern era, I can't remember who the penalty takers were. Because I can't remember. I, um, I, can remember Cur- I can remember Curly at Old Trafford. You have to you have to get into the opposition box though to get penalties. <laughs> that's, that's usually what's like struggle. It really with. was a serious event though when you got a penalty, and then it was like, oh my god, who's taking it? But uh, I remember Curly at Old Trafford, and a, and a couple. Other than that, I'm I having remember. Kevin Orlock. Yes, good shout. Actually, he missed a few though. To be fair, I always felt confident though. Do you feel confident when Aguero steps up? No. No, no, because he's, he doesn't seem to have any... Makes no it's sense at all, It's like it? his head scrambled up until when he strikes <laughs> the ball. He's just like... He, he, sometimes he goes for power, sometimes he tries to place it, so it's like, no, no, not at all. Makes absolutely no sense. He's the best striker of a ball I've ever seen, and, and yet here he can't, he can't hit it from 12 yards. Um, just on, on that one, though, as well, why is it so much of an issue at the moment, Adam? You look at the quality City have got in that team. Why can none of them, bar Gundogan, take a penalty? I think because it's now become a thing. Yeah. Um, so... The next penalty now we get, everyone's thinking the same thing. Uh, the players are going to be thinking that's going to uh, creep onto the pitch from the fans. Um, I think it, you, it's almost one of those monkeys that you need to get off your back pretty quick. You're only as good as your last penalty, and mm. we've missed a few now. Um, like we said, Gabby, six out of the last ten. Sergio, we're not confident with. Um, even when Pep is saying we are going to review the penalty-taking process. Is there an issue? Yeah, there's an issue. He never... Uh, he never says anything's wrong in public, does he? And he's actually come out and said, we are going to review the penalty. I don't know how tongue-in-cheek it was, but there's an, there's an issue there. And I think uh, we're non, no one's feeling confident because of, <laughs> rightly so, because of the history we've got, certainly this, this season, even back to last season in the Champions League, uh, Aguero missing the penalty at Tottenham that completely changes that game. Mm. Yet, at that point, if you want anyone on a penalty, you're going to say Aguero, but... It's just madness. I can't. I can't fathom why we're so bad. I think now it's become an issue. It's just going to grow and grow until we. But we're great in penalty shootouts. I, know, I was going to say that doesn't make any sense either, <laughs> because I mean Claudio Bravo can't stop a shot yet can save penalties. City players can't score penalties yet put a shootout on and there they go bang they all go in. It's just like what it's what is going thing, on? Mentality. But going back to that one, Adam just said about it becoming a thing and it mounting. And snowballing, even the more reason to just give it Edison, because he's not going to bother, is he? <laughs> are you Nothing's going to bother him. <laughs> are you secretly praying that Guardiola wasn't just taking the piss with that? Oh, imagine if it against Liverpool oh. in the last minute. Imagine that Edison runs the length yeah. of the pitch and slots yeah. it home for the win. Well, or it's the crossbar and rebound to the halfway line, <laughs> and then Salah slots it home. <laughs> Oh, yeah. no, let's, let, let's not think about that one. Uh, instead, in, attention this week turns to the Cups with Fulham in the FA Cup and then the second leg of that tie with United in the League Cup semi-finals on Wednesday. Um, Fulham especially, Adam, how much of this is an opportunity to use players like Garcia and Foden? Because all I'm thinking is that if you rotate, if, you, if, you, if you're looking at, at the games that are now crucial for City, actually the Cup game's a bit more important now. Yeah, I think we've got to put all our eggs in that basket now. League's gone. Um, and with these two cup games coming up so quick, he does need to balance his squad more than say he would if it was uh, in between elite, two league games. Uh, the easy easy selections there are Garcia and Foden. Uh, Gundogan will come in who didn't play midweek. Um, hopefully, 
is this the type of game he'll rest Sterling and bring Mares in? Cancelo will probably get a game, won't he? Cancelo will get a game. Zinchenko came back and we didn't know where. He was in the wilderness before that and he came. He appeared. Does he give Laporte a, uh, a rest? Uh, or is he, does he want game time? Mm. Um, you know, you know the, the, it's a good opportunity now. It, it's kind of sandwiched. It, it's kind of landed in the season where we'll see how how uh, serious Pep is taking these by the selections. I think the selection against United will be more similar to what we would class a first team 11 and the uh, Fulham game maybe a fringe 11. But this season, it hasn't kind of been those two 11s where there has in previous seasons because of injuries and lack of resource. Um, people laugh when I say lack of resource, but we've not got... <laughs> right. in, no, but it's true, it's in, true. In years gone by, we have had a cup 11 and, and a league 11 and now it's kind of merged together. Pep's trying to iron out some different formations... Uh, with a three-five-two, uh, but I think yeah, Garcia bread and butter for the league. Maybe Howard Bellis as well. Uh, but Fulham are kind of a a notch up of the lower league teams we've played so far, um, and they will they will pose us problems. But I think we we'll, should have enough, and he'll Pep will take it seriously. I'm sure. You just know, don't you, Macca, that these are the games where City are getting a penalty and Bravo's in goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've never even thought of that, but yeah, yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> Let him have a go anyway. <laughs> rubbish we've had all the others. Well, how much worse can it go? Um, with tickets so cheap for this one, uh, certainly the Fulham game, are you expecting a, a better atmosphere at the Etihad? I don't know. It was good. Vale was good, wasn't it? That was that was a good atmosphere, but it's the graveyard. It's like, what, it's one o'clock on a Sunday. It's, it's, it's I don't know. I don't know. I, th- I think it'll be... I think it's, Hopefully, it's a decent crowd. It's just the atmosphere. It's just it's difficult at that time. And then on a Sunday, it's uh, not the greatest. Everybody's hungover, that's the problem. Oh, I'm just not drunk enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, Adam, in terms of, of we're just on ticket prices very quickly, obviously the, the club, we, we were talking about it last week, they, they, we felt they got it so wrong for the Champions League. Have they got this one right? Yeah, I think I think they've got this right. But this is almost an easy win for them in terms of ticketing this type of game. They want a full house. Uh, I was looking on t- tickets yesterday. It does seem to, there's only a few blocks left, whether that materialises or not. Um, but I think this is an easy win, but we should praise them because we're quick enough to say yeah. the Real Madrid ones are out of order. It, it, to be honest, it was completely out of the blue, that Real Madrid one, because they have been really, really good for for a bit now, and, and it seemed like they'd learnt the lesson, and then that, that came from nowhere, didn't it? But <laughs> there you go. But no, no, that's, it has been good. And then, as I say, you might get some some kids coming who've not been before, and it's, I'd say that's where the Sunday at 1 o'clock maybe helps as well. So, no, 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 fair play to them. Just on the United game, um, how 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 much of a weird complex has this taken on now, given the week that United's had? It's utterly bizarre, and the Rashford goal in the first leg is kind of haunting me. We were absolutely cruising, and then they kind of claw one back, but then they've just stumbled again in the league. And Macca says he's looking forward to this derby. And he never looks forward to derbies. I just—it's a weird <laughs> <laughs> name. It's, it's just a weird, like you say, a weird complex to be going into a derby. I'm always pessimistic when we play them lot, um, and I'm just—I'm just dubious about that Rashford goal. It just three. Pep had to go at the players at half time apparently because we took our foot off the gas. Uh, there's been a few games like that where we should have, even when we've hammered him, it should have been six, seven. But that was just ridiculous. I've never seen a first half like it. Even against lower division clubs, it was just absolutely ridiculous. And again, going back to Sterling, I mean, if he even had he was even remotely in form, it would have been five at least. You know, had a hat trick. My next question on this United game, though, weirdly, was going to be: Is there any danger of City not getting through? 
Yeah. Because it, it, yeah. it, certainly totally. after, the, after that first <laughs> half, it felt like it was done and dusted. Well, yeah, yeah. there is. And, and, and it's the weird, it was the weirdest game ever that I've actually... We've, we've beaten 3-1 at Old Trafford, and I'm like, actually a little bit deflated, and that sounds ridiculous, but I was, because it was like, that could have been... That should have been like the West, that West Ham game in, in the Cup, where it was like, done and dusted here, and we're cruising, but it's not, just, it's not West Ham, it's United. It was just like... It just 90 minutes of just ballooning. But it, it it wasn't. They get an early goal. They can do. They're capable of it. You never know. And then suddenly, it's a totally different game. Crowd gets nervous. Players get nervous. So it's not, not done and dusted at all. And that's what I'm saying. It, it's worrying because I am slightly looking forward to it for the first time in life. But then I'm thinking, if I'm doing that, it's got to be a catch. Yeah, it's, someone's, it's someone's having a laugh at my expense here, aren't they? Never that easy. <laughs> No wins on the charity bet in the last two games means we stay on £665 for the season so far. Each member of the team is getting a £10 correct score single from William Hill and the proceeds are going to the Christie, a cancer hospital in Manchester. Uh, two cup games this week, Adam. Uh, starting off with Fulham, what have you got? Uh, City 3-0. 3-0 is 11-2, to two, so £55 if you're right. And uh, for United? Uh, City 2-1. Uh, is 7-1, to one, so £70 if you're right. Marco, what are you having for Fulham? Uh, 3-1 City. 3-1 City is 10-1, uh, so a uh, nice cool £100. <laughs> and uh, United? 4-1 City. Is 16-1, to one. Uh, so £160 <laughs> if you're right on that one. I've gone for 4-1 against Fulham, uh, which is 11-1 to one and £110. And 3-1 against United, uh, mirroring that first leg score, is uh, 9-1 to one and £90. Got to be 18 or over to gamble. Prices can change. And for more on responsible gambling, check out begambleaware.org. Now it's time to uh, move on. And Howard Hawkins back this week. He's talking about uh, doing something that we've not done in the studio tonight. Uh, he wants us to cut John Stones some slack. I've been thinking too much about too many things recently. It's a side effect of spending too long on Twitter, I think. It really opens your eyes to the world, and not always in a good way. And I've been thinking too much about a certain Manchester City player recently too. You see, in another podcast recently, the topic of John Stones was discussed, as you'd expect, as was necessary after a poor performance against Crystal Palace. There was no real desire from anyone to pile in on him, as it achieves little, but 15 minutes later we still seem to be talking about him, so I guess we failed in that respect. After all, when you're discussing a match, it's hard to ignore the worst performing player, especially in a game you don't win, after a late, late equaliser. What was weird was that I felt a tad guilty afterwards. Everything that was said, I still agree with now. It was our honest opinion of where we are with him, and yet it felt a bit wrong to me. Maybe I've turned into a snowflake, or maybe there's other reasons, which got me thinking as to why I felt that guilt. First of all, I'm simply not used to such criticism. I'm not used to it at all. The squad has never been perfect, how can it be? But for much of the past two years, it has got to new heights. Out-of-form players were a rarity, and any issues over players tended to be linked to injuries as much as anything else an unavoidable part of the sport, or any sport. Piling in on a player simply wasn't necessary, whether you think such a thing is necessary or not. This is not 1998 after all, though we hold the current crop of players to rather higher standards, and thus should judge them as such. But under Pep, there are few players that have regressed, few reasons to call out players, if any, few reasons to doubt the brightest of futures for the club. Secondly, of course, I might just be being oversensitive, as is my way occasionally. After all, if you're in the public eye, you are open to criticism. If you're a sports person, especially so, and you cannot expect those that criticise to do in-depth analysis of private lives before committing to an opinion. 
I'm allowed to criticise a player as are you if a footballer does not play to the best of his or her abilities. Then fans will criticise them, as is their right. That's how it works, how it always has. What's more, part of succeeding in sport is mental strength and being able to deal with such criticism. Such strength was surely needed in the first place to rise close to the top of your profession. The same argument is valid for most professions too. I once was highly sarcastic and thus critical of a certain football journalist's foray into literary fiction, as my honest opinion was it was the biggest pile of tripe I had ever had the misfortune to witness, at least from my experience of multiple excerpts. Barney Roney of The Guardian chipped in to ask if I'd ever written a book myself. I replied that I had, seven to be precise, to which no reply was forthcoming. I assume Barney's loaded question was suggesting that writing a book is damn hard work, which it is, and thus I should cut it some slack. But that's a terrible argument to suggest that you cannot criticise bodies of work just because it took them time and effort to do. Footballers sacrifice so much to get to the top, but that, again, does not leave them immune to criticism, especially those that are made very wealthy by the sport. Being on social media in recent years has been a struggle at times, but I've learnt a few things in that time, most notably, I hope, not to jump in with two feet into arguments with people you know nothing about, or with criticism of players for whom the situation is rarely black or white, but rather more nuanced than that. The dilemma is never more stark when discussing Stan Collymore. Stan has suffered terribly from depression for many years. He's been honest about his struggles. He's fought passionately to forge a greater understanding of the illness within and outside the sport, especially the lazy assumption that successful, wealthy people have no right to be sad or down. He's similarly fought hard on issues of racism. But the problem is, I can't stand the guy. I'm sure he'd be devastated to discover this news. Aside from any extracurricular activities he may get up to, he comes across as a bitter, prejudiced man, and his opinion pieces are some of the most ill-thought-out drivel ever put to print. You only have to see his grudge against Pep Guardiola due to a misunderstanding on his part to get an idea of the man. But are his actions a result of his struggles or a separate entity? I doubt he'd become a better writer without those struggles, but it may affect other ways he acts. So how much is he open to criticism? Most of you will probably reply as much as anyone else, and I wouldn't try and argue against you. But sometimes, knowing more about a person's life ensures I hold back from getting involved. And that's probably not a bad thing. And again, I posted a screenshot pre-Christmas of a headline from Liverpool.com. It had to be seen to be believed, even within the context of a cult. For those of you that don't know, the site was set up at the start of the season and caters mostly for an American audience, a country where cults are de rigueur. Its style can only be described as Liverpool Echo on steroids and having spent two days solid in an Amsterdam coffee house. It turns a dial up to 11 with the rhetoric of how everything Liverpool do is the best in the world ever. My screenshot of the article was being retweeted for days and once more I got uneasy and felt guilt again. A bit of fun seemed to have gone too far, especially as the author of the piece, who had copped out of the shot itself, had himself suffered with mental health issues as per his Twitter bio. Was this just fun anymore or too far? Again, maybe me being too sensitive, like my fatigue at seeing Phil Jones' face mocked. And when you're tired of seeing that, you're tired of life itself. But Twitter can quickly destroy the strongest of people. But on the other side, if you punish drivel like that, as Liverpool.com do on a daily basis, how can you not expect criticism? The same goes for Anfield match reports, after all. So in a very roundabout way, all of this is my way of getting back to how I decide or feel I should deal with John Stones not being in good form. I got there eventually. And I mention all the other stuff because it is pretty much common knowledge that he's had separate battles off the field. The usual sort of relationship stuff that millions go through, and many of you won't know half of the story, and don't need to. 
I've no interest in the private lives of footballers and never will, but when it may affect form, then it becomes an issue of sorts, and it becomes a talking point. And whilst all I say is merely speculation, it seems that John Stone's lack of form is not down simply to footballing ability or an ability to stay fit. It's not just down to a lack of physicality or a dropping confidence on the pitch. But this does not mean I demand you give him a free ride, not that you should listen to me anyway. But the reason why I depict here with Stones, and I just ask you to allow him some patience because of that. After all, if he keeps up this form and this injury record, we'd be hard pushed to get rid of him anyway. But essentially it's up to John Stones now to create his own path. Even if some may disagree, I know that he can be a top-class footballer consistently. We may never see that at City, and I become less certain with each week, with each new injury too. But wherever he may end up, it is down to him now to determine what he achieves and what he can be proud of when he looks back at his, his career. He's 25 and most definitely at a crossroads. Pep may well have used up his final morsel of trust in him, as evidenced by his constant shouting at him on the touchline during the Palace match. And in 78 minutes, Aymeric Laporte showed what he could be, what City have missed. Authoritative, strong in the tackle, up for a fight. Not every defender needs to have the same skill set, the same mentality. But Laporte showed what Stones is not. Laporte would never be bullied, and will probably never doubt himself either. This was showed by his response to his rare mistakes against Spurs in the Champions League. So John Stones, I hope the latest injury is not bad. I hope you still have a positive role to play in the rest of the season. But I feel you're running out of chances. But I'm not giving up on you just yet. Because if like any person you can find a settled life off the pitch, then the rest may well follow. And I really hope you do. Hi there, this is Joe Royal speaking. You're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast and carry on doing so. Check out exclusive City interviews on our website, bluemoonpodcast.com. Howard Hawking there. Now it's time to finish with Ask the Panel. Get your questions in for future shows on Twitter, at Blue Moon Podcast. Uh, get us on the emails as well. You can find that on the website, bluemoonpodcast.com, and we're on Instagram as well, so uh, search for Blue Moon Podcast on there. Uh, first up is Johnny Riley on the emails. He asks, are you concerned about any potential FFP punishments after more allegations that City's books weren't right in 2014? <laughs> uh, yes, always, but I genuinely have no idea. I saw that. I, say, I saw David Conn's article today, and... I've not even read it because I've just come to the point where what's the point? What's the point of reading it? I don't know. I can't analyze it, and it's just I don't know. And that's going back to 2014, is it? Yeah. I'm, weirdly, I suppose the question then is, do you care? Um, you know what? No. And and that, I don't know how that will come across, but I don't. It, it just I don't know. I I I thought that ship had sailed, and I just it just becomes a little bit tiresome, and I, I don't. I, it's easy for me to say just I'll push under the carpet if we have done anything wrong but then again I just I, again without actually looking into anything I'd be very surprised if anything slipped through the net with the way that would be, everything would be analysed and then tell him I'm not saying it's, it's all ethical in terms of how we got around it if we have got around it but I just don't take I don't take any notice anymore maybe that's a different way of putting it in terms of that I don't care I don't take any notice of it anymore and then Something happens. Something happens. I was going to say. I suppose as a fan, then it, it's kind of like it's not really your I've responsibility. Got no, yeah, exactly. I've got no influence on that. I can't change it. And then if we have done something wrong and it's proved it's wrong, well, I'm not going to defend the club. It's like well, we've done something wrong. But for the time being, it's not worth worrying about, is it? Really? Adam, you in the same boat? Yeah, I think 
we should be punished if we have been found uh, guilty of anything. I think the club is so well run now, like whether it's ethical or right or wrong, for something to slip through the net seems unlikely because we've got away. Getting away is the wrong word, but we've we've passed so many previous FFP tests or investigations previously. I thought it had gone away. It's come back. It must be a slow news week. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I, I'm, well, so, Solskjaer's in trouble. That's what it is. Exactly. Let's oh, deflect. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think I'm all. For, I'm like Max says. I'm not going to defend us if we get found of any uh, guilty of anything. Take the punishment as a fan. I don't. I don't. I think we've passed caring now. That might sound very obnoxious, but we've been through so many of these investigations over the last few years, and we've passed with flying colours. I think the first couple of headlines you see, you do worry. Yeah. But then nothing's come of it. Yeah. Well, so let's say. I mean, of, well, well, again, it's a, it's a it's a it's an investigation. Is it guard invest, investigation? I, 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 like I say, it becomes. I, I don't really. I'm not really. I don't care anymore. Well, let's say for for argument's sake, we we don't know the outcome. These are just allegations. But let's say for argument's sake, City are found guilty and they're found to have done something wrong. When it comes down to what FFP is for and the the point of it being in there, does it does it bother you that that they might have broken those rules? Yeah, but... are there some rules that it's that that you kind of go well? I'd be I'd be upset if they'd broken that rule, but this one you kind of go well. Mm. Yeah. These these were these were kind of rushed through. Yeah, the whole FFP thing for me stinks in terms of it was to pull the drawbridge up for the big boys and no no new investors can come in. Our investors, our owners have come in and regenerated the whole of East Manchester with money as and the way we've gone about things, um, we've regenerated the whole area and you get other owners like Portsmouth owners of years gone by or even those across the road who just take money out of the club. Um, you know, I, I just think the whole FFP thing stinks anyway. It was always brought in to, to make us struggle and I think we've we've gone toe-to-toe with them and uh, Carl Doon doesn't uh, take lightly to... It doesn't pull his punches, does it? No, exactly. The La Liga chairman's come out and slagged us off again this week because mm. they're obviously panicking. We've got Real Madrid uh, next month, so they obviously need to <laughs> ma- maintain some relevance. Yeah. Um, but no FFP. So that'd be, uh, I, I've actually been around David Conn's house for, to interview him All right. for a certain fanzine. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and it was very interesting. But again, then he started asking me stuff about the City fan and how do you box this off and things like this. And I was just saying, well, I just can compartmentalise things that's not my I'm not there watching football on a Saturday escapism and thinking oh, I, hope the, I hope the books are in are in check and everything <laughs> it doesn't work like that so it's it's yeah and, I, and that was my that was a, four or five years ago and now it's I'm, I'm exactly the same I've just learned to, to kind of that's not what I'm into football about and if we've done something wrong then we've done something wrong and if we found guilty we found guilty Take it on the chin. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Peter Simpson on the emails asks, do you agree with Guardiola that teams play too many games? Would you agree with him that the League Cup could be stopped? We are playing too many games now. I think I don't think stopping an entire competition. I think replays in other competitions need to go. I'm concerned that the Champions League is talking about adding four mm. extra match days. I think and that is going to be at the expense of your League, League Cup type of competitions. Um, Pep's not he 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 said that in response to the extra Champions League games. He wouldn't. He's not saying get rid of the uh, League Cup now. Well, yeah, he actually. This is we can play out what he said. This mm. is what he said. It, the the question was along the lines of uh, he was asked if the League Cup shouldn't include Premier League teams. The League Cup after will will not, will not be interested. He's so, just playing for the Championship teams or uh, League One and League Two. So how do you solve how do you solve what you said? How do you get to less competitions? 
uh, eliminate competitions, take out this competition. Completely. Maybe less games. Start, for example, a start later in, after the season, the, the summertime, start later. Because you will start, for example, two games and after we have a lot of games and after the, as part of the season we have one game you know, a week for a long time, and after we start two in or three in one week, and in this period, and after we're going to okay, going to rest, but there are in February just one week, one week, two weeks off. So in three weeks we have two games, and after we have seventy-two games in one week. So it's a little bit, you know, strange. <laughs> They're talking about. Expanding games, though they're talking about a bigger Champions League yeah. at the end of the season. Two seasons, there'll be a bigger World Club Championship. Yeah. So the problem is going to get worse for yeah. the bigger teams. I think the solution you have to talk about the uh, world and make a year of 400 days a year. <laughs> that is the solution. 400 or 500, more or less. And after we can put another competition. Get involved with the debate on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. So that's what Guardiola had to say. Um, I mean, it's it's funny, isn't it, Maka? Because, you know, as soon as City start winning it every year, they're talking about getting rid of it. Yeah, but I don't think it's going to happen, is it? That, that's the thing. I don't, even even getting rid of the Premier League teams, I just don't agree with him, basically. I think, like Adam's saying, if, we, if we're going to trim it down, look at look at replays. But, uh, yeah, you can't, you can't. I mean, it's been around for a We do play a lot of football, but I'd rather not expand on the Champions League than, than, get, rid of the, than get rid of the League Cup. Yeah. Right, uh, Karen Moore asks on the emails, why is nothing being made of Liverpool hacking City's scouting system? Um, I think that was down to the confidentiality agreement. They kind of had a million-pound handshake that they'd brush it under the carpet, and then I don't know why it's come back out again recently. Um, I, I saw a good tweet. Uh, Liverpool fans were trying to defend it, and someone said, oh, I left the window open, so I, the window was open, so I robbed it. Uh, two wrongs don't make a right. You know, we... we we let those guys have keep the password for when they moved over from City to Liverpool and they've abused that power. Um, the fact that we know about it, is it being uh, brushed under the carpet as much as they'd probably want us to? If we've settled on a million quid, it's probably more of a thing. It's just, come on, lads, what are we doing there? And if it really, really, really was a serious issue... So you wouldn't settled? It, no, we wouldn't settle for a million quid either. Um, and it would be ongoing, wouldn't it? So I think that's maybe, not to be too glib about it, but I think that's probably the issue. It's more of a, yeah, more of something where, come on, lads, what, what, you, what you're up to there. But uh, I don't think it'd be, it's not like industrial espionage, I don't think. Yeah, it, um, it, it, it did come back, Adam, because uh, I think basically somebody found out about it because the two clubs had agreed in private right. that this had gone on. The yeah, FA didn't right. know anything about yeah, it. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah they, they've, I think they felt duty-bound that they have to investigate now. But other than that, I don't think there's any uh, any big issue. So is, but the fact that it, the FA have been made aware of it, so something is being made of it, then isn't it? Because if you say it happened ages ago and it was swept under it, I think are we just trying to look to score points against Liverpool now because the, <laughs> where they are in the league? Yeah, of course. I'm not. I'm, you know, I'm, I, I am perfectly willing to accept this. <laughs> I'll join you. Let's let's bring them down. Chuck the book at him. I think it merits about a 25 point yeah, deduction. I'd you know? say that. Yeah. <laughs> Still might struggle. <laughs> Right, well, that's it for this week's Blue Moon Podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, then please head over to iTunes and give it a rating and a review. That helps to support the podcast because it helps us get more listeners and we're funded by the ads this season. If you'd also like to support the show further, 
further, you could sign up to become a Patreon backer. For $2 a month, you'll get a weekly bonus show about 15 to 20 minutes in length. So that's four or five extras a month, all on a random city topic. This week, we're talking about moving from Main Road to the Etihad back in, in uh, 2003. I got my dates all wrong then. 2003, wasn't it? Yep. Um, so for more information on that, head over to patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. Special thanks to my two guests this week, Adam Carter. Cheers. And Tamaka. Cheers. I'll be back next week to discuss the fallout from the games against Fulham and United. See you then. the blue moon podcast please support the show patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast